So let's do a really quick recap of what we talked about last week. Our main passage for this series is, it comes from Psalm 145, it's verse 4, it says this, One generation commends your works to another, they tell of your mighty acts. One generation commends God's glorious works and mighty acts to another generation. We talked about that word commends, right? How it has a lot to say about the way we interact with the knowledge of God's grace. How it also uh, can signify how we entrust that knowledge and grace to others, right? We talked about how no matter where we are on our walk with Jesus and no matter how old we are or how far along we are, there's always somebody out there who's doing it just a little bit better than us, even if it's just a little, uh, just one you know, facet of their faith that they do a little bit better than us, and that that is someone that we can learn from, right? We talked about pride and how it gets in the way and it totally destroys our ability to learn from others and how the church was designed that we'd actually work out our faith together, right? And we grow in faith together. We need others to build into our lives and help us help make our faith stronger, right? We talked about being intentional about wanting growth in our own faith We need to seek after time with someone we can learn from, right? Seek. We need to speak with them so that they know what's going on in us, right? And we need to sit and listen and soak in everything that we can from them. I gave you a challenge to identify one or two people this week who you thought, man, they are further along in this area and I want to learn that. And I gave you the challenge to identify them, right? If you haven't done that already, do it this week. It's not too late. It's never too late to learn and grow, right? It's never too late for that. We talked about that. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can still learn and grow. Identify those people. And then if you haven't, if you've already identified them, have you spoken to them? You need to speak to them. Let them know your intentions. Let them know, hey, look, I want to learn from you. You've got this going on, and that's kind of somewhere I struggle. I want to to get there on that, right? That's what we want to do. That's how we grow. And I also challenged us to remember that no matter what, we are still a next generation to somebody else, right? This week, we're going to talk about them. And I say, and I can say them. And we're talking about they, right? They are the next generation. Last week, we talked about we are the next generation. Now we're talking about they are the next generation. You see, there was a generation and there is a generation that comes before us, but there's also and will be a generation that comes after us, correct? There is a generation coming after us. What's our mission here at Gateway? Can, you guys can tell me. Go ahead. What's our mission here at Gateway? Love God, love others, and make disciples, right? You guys know it. That's our mission. That's what we do here, right? Love God, love others, and make disciples. And a disciple is someone who learns from another. A disciple is someone who follows another. So when we're talking about making disciples, we're talking about helping others be followers of Jesus. We mentioned this last week. Our mission as a generation of Christians is to see the good news spread all over the, all the nations and further than the generation before, correct? That's our mission. We want to see it move further than the last generation. 
See, Jesus made it very clear to us. He, he made the mission very clear to us in Matthew 28. We actually call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Okay, so go make disciples. Teach them how to obey the commands. What are those commands? Well, in Matthew 22, somebody asked Jesus, Teacher, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's loving God with everything, right? This is the first and greatest commandment. And second, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we have love God and love others. Okay, so we've got the great commission. We've got make disciples. And then we've got love God and love others. So if we've got love God, love others, and make disciples, we're right on point, right? That's exactly what we're trying to do. That's our identity as the church, to love God, love others, and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So it's pretty clear. Everything's really clear and easy. What does that mean, though? Well, it means that relationships are key, are key in growing in our faith. Relationship, our relationship with Jesus, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and our relationship with each other. They're key for our spiritual growth. We established last week that the church was designed in such a way that we might grow in faith together. The church was designed that way so that we could grow off of each other. We could grow and build into each other. Iron sharpens iron, right? As a friend sharpens a friend, just like we talked last week. It's because of that that Paul urges the churches in Romans, Romans 15, 14. He says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Why does Paul have so much confidence in them, in us? Why does he have so much confidence? Well, because they've been made new. They've been made new in Christ. We've all been made new in Christ. If we're a Christian, we've been made new. We have the Holy Spirit. They, yeah, okay, they're, going to, they're not going to be perfect all the time. They're going to make up mistakes. They're going to, uh, of course they are. They're human still. But they have the Holy Spirit in them. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Each one of us as believers and lovers of Christ have the Almighty God in us. How cool is that? It's huge. It's huge. It's, it's so beyond huge. See, Paul has, and we should have, complete confidence that while we may mess up, we could still build in, into each other's lives. It doesn't matter. Even though we're going to mess up sometimes, yeah, of course. But we can still build into one another's lives, and we should. This is huge when we talk about generations. Remember, there is that age slash physical generation, right? Um, and then there's that spiritual generation. See, we want them to be so well-trained up and so mature in spirit that they can take the gospel and they can take that good news further than we ever even dared to dream, right? We can't even, we can't even dream what these guys could do with the gospel, something way beyond what I could even imagine for them. 
That's what they could do. We are doing, right now, we are doing things for the kingdom of God in the kingdom within his will that they never even possibly imagined 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, 2,000 years ago when the church came, when it first, when it first started. They couldn't even imagine. They couldn't even imagine. These guys after us, we can't even imagine what they're going to be able to do. It's going to be insane. It's going to be amazing. See, we usually have youth group on Sunday nights. Um, we don't actually have youth group tonight uh, because today's Mother's Day, and we want the students to be spending time with their mothers and uh, honoring their mothers like the Bible teaches us to do, right? And so we're, we're really focused on teaching them what the Bible says, and this is one of those things. We want them to be really building into their mothers and loving them, spending time in the presence and loving on them like crazy, okay? So any youth in here that you're looking at me? Remember, we don't, we're not going to be here tonight, so spend time with your mom, okay? All right, but usually we do have youth on Sunday nights, and for those of you guys that don't know, um, I would say a good 60 to 75% of our youths are actually new youths in our students' program right now, and four, just a few weeks ago, four of those students committed their lives to Jesus, how awesome is that? That's exciting. Like, that's really, yeah, clap. That's really cool stuff. We were stoked. We were so excited for them. I mean, it's an incredible thing to be a part of that for somebody. See, it was so, we were so excited for them. You know, we prayed with them. We gave them Bibles. We patted them on the head. We told them, hey, good job. Congratulations. You're a Christian now. Good luck in your new life. And we sent them on their way. Oh, of course we didn't do that, okay? <laughs> Everybody's looking at me like, what? <laughs> For real? No, of course we didn't do that. We didn't just throw them to the wolves. Good luck. See ya. Life's going to, woohoo, carry that cross. Good luck. <laughs> no. We sat them down. We explained to them that, that, hey, look, you've got a totally new life here. This is an absolutely new life, and you've got a lot to learn about it. And Aaron and Ashley and Brittany and I and any other volunteers that come along, we are going to be here with you. We're going to be trying to help you learn. And we're going to teach you everything that we know and we have learned so far in this faith walk so that you can be even further along than we are. Right? That's what we want to see. Parents, parents, you have children? You know what it's like? You want them to know. You want them to know things. You're like, man, if only I had known that. And you give them all this wisdom and they don't hear it and you're like, well, I tried. <laughs> no, but we're going we're gonna to be spending time with them every day. It's not going to stop there. We're, gonna, we're getting into the word with them on a weekly basis. We're teaching them where to find the answers when they're struggling to figure it out. We're, we're teaching them to pray together and for each other. We're going to be teaching them how to serve. All these things are such an important part of life in the church, but even more importantly, a part of life with Christ, right? That's what we're raising up. We're trying to raise them up to be mature Christians so that they know, right? As mentors and leaders in their lives, we want to enable them to maximize the grace of God within their lives and develop their potential and gifting in the service of God's purposes. I'm going to read that again because this, this is huge. This is something that all of us as Christians, as mature Christians, wherever you are on the road, 
all of us should want this for younger Christians, okay? I'm going to read it again. As mentors and leaders in their lives, in other people's lives, as mentors and leaders in their lives, we want to enable them to maximize the grace of God in their lives and develop their potential and gifting in the service of God's purposes. We're having a gifts class soon. We're having a gifts class soon. Warren and Chuck, they're going to be putting that on. It's actually, next, it's actually next Sunday. So if you haven't registered for that, definitely do that. Because it's going to be awesome. Man, they're going to, talk, they're going to kind of work with each of you individually, try and figure out what your gifts are, and try and figure out what your next steps are. So you can take that next step in faith, and you can start growing. That's going to be an awesome time. See, it's not always going to be easy, of course us teaching teenagers and certainly uh, teaching anybody else. We're going to thrive in some ways more than others. Um, but the call is clear. The call is really clear to help the next generation thrive in the good news. You see Proverbs 22, 6 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay, there's that caveat, and we've talked about that caveat in the past here at Gateway. There's that caveat. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Um, so we're playing the long game here. Okay, we're, we're playing the long game, looking all the way out in the future. This isn't just a, hey, great, good job, you're a Christian, good luck, you got it. Woo, we did it. Way to go, team. No, <laughs> we're playing the long game, okay? This is a long-term thing. We're going to have ups and downs. We're definitely going to have ups and downs, especially with rebellious, you know, 15s and 16s and 17s and 18s and 19s. Well, the numbers go on. Everybody's rebellious, right? <laughs> we're, we're not always going to feel like the impact is being made, but we will continue to strive for closeness with Jesus no matter what. It's not always going to feel like we're making the impact, but we will continue to strive for it. And this doesn't just apply to children or teens like we talked about, but also younger believers. Remember, it's not out of the question for somebody to be older than you and, and be younger in their faith. That's, that happens all the time. But we're supposed to be building into one another. Now, I know you might be thinking, okay, so how do we do that? Like, what does that even look like? It's like, I, I don't even... What, you're talking in all this big, grand scheme things. Well, what's our ultimate goal? If our ultimate goal is to be more like Jesus, to be closer to Jesus, and bring others closer to Jesus, then maybe we should take a look at the way he did it, right? The way he discipled and mentored. And so I've got a whole list of things here for you. The first one is this. He shared his life with others. Jesus shared his life with others. He spent time, quantity and quality, okay, T quantity and quality, time with them. Frankly, the disciples spent almost every second they could with Jesus. Yeah, Jesus gets away for his little mini hikes here and there. He goes up in the mountains to pray, get some quiet time, get some space. I'm sure he needed it. I'm sure he needed it. And he would get away for that. But for the most part, he, he includes them in everything. 
They go to weddings together. They partake in their feasts together. They sit together and tell stories. They feed the multitudes. They travel around on boats and land. Jesus includes them in his work. He shares every part of that so that they might be able to learn from what he's doing and then take it from there and continue from what he's starting. All right, the second one is this. He listened and asked a lot a lot of questions. This is something that I found a lot of success with, with almost anybody. It doesn't matter age, anything else. Questions are huge. When you listen and you ask questions, what you're doing is you're actually challenging them to figure out the answers on their own. It's critical thinking, right? We use it with the youth all the time. We ask them questions. Okay, so how do you think we would get to that. And then does he leave them, you know, let them stew? He says, oh yeah, well, what about this? And then they're like, "Uh, and does he let them stew? No, of course not. He takes, okay, he's got the answer, right? It's a rhetorical question. He's got the answer, and then he walks them through, right? He shows them the answer. Okay, that's pretty good. You're close, but what if we do it this way? Okay, see, they're engaged. He asks questions, and there's another way he asks questions, actually. Oh, actually, let's go back. I like this part. In Matthew 7, 3, uh, I, imagine, I imagine Jesus' eyebrows being raised because you got to know Jesus sometimes is like, like, guys, really? What are you like, guys? And, and he goes, he, he says to the disciple, he's like, okay, why, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and ignore the plank in your own eye? You got to just imagine, imagine this scene. Everybody in the crowd goes, ooh, snap, right? (laughs) My kids do that all the time. When I'm giving somebody trouble, I'll be like, Sophie Grace Marie and Liam will be like, ooh, snap, right? Everybody in the crowd's like, like, I mean, just by a question, right? A question that makes everybody stop and think and open up their minds, right? And then he explains to him, he says, look, guys, this is hypocritical. You guys are judging each other. This is, you guys got to avoid this. You got to be aware that this is a tendency that you have. You got to be aware that this comes up. You got to get away from that. You got to be careful because this could be detrimental to your mission. Right? He explains it to them after he asks the question. He asks questions one, uh, one other way. Excuse me. Uh, he asks people what they needed. Right? He asked the disciples and the woman at the well and people needed healing. He asked them what they needed. If we're going to build into each other's lives, shouldn't we know what each other needs? And how am I going to know what you need unless I ask the question, what do you need? If we're, we're tracking along and I finally say, oh, and I figure out what the question is, and then I say, is this what you need? Then we can move forward. Then we can get deeper, Right? The next one, here's the next one. He applied scripture to the lives of those around him. Now, in fairness, Jesus is the word. So he kind of is the walking embodiment of scripture. So he's kind of on another level here. But the point still stands because he did bring up the Old Testament when he was talking to the disciples and the crowds all the time. Okay, so what, what, is, what was he doing when he was doing that? He was saying, look, I've already got this word for you, 
okay? And it already has much of what you need. Now, of course, I'm fulfilling the rest right now. We're going through the rest. I'm, I'm making it all happen. The rest will come. But I've already given you this word, and it has a lot for you. But it's also trustworthy. Use it. That's what it's here for. That's what the scriptures are for. See, we know that scripture is God-breathed. We know that all scripture is God-breathed. And we know that it's a living word. If you've been a Christian for a long time and if you've been studying your Bible for a long time, you know, just as well as I do, that if you have read something a hundred times, on that 99th time, you'll go, huh, I don't think I ever noticed that. His word is amazing. It's amazing no matter how many times you reach it. You go, what? I don't think, seriously, how did we miss that the last 99 times? It's incredible. It's a living word. It's a necessary tool for us to grow in faith. That's why we push it so hard in youth. Every week we are getting in the word and we are moving, moving, moving in the word because we want them to know how important it really is. Here's the next one. He corrected, guided, and forgave. Okay, Peter is easily one of my favorite disciples, and I know he is for a lot of others too. Jesus had this, uh, there are no stupid questions kind of policy, right? There are no dumb questions, and you could ask anything. And I like Peter because he's the one that's just brave enough or dumb enough, I, whatever you want to call it. He's the one just brave enough to ask those dumb questions that we really want to ask, but we're too you know, scared to ask because we don't want to face the wrath. He's the one that asks those questions, and he's the one that, you know, says things to put his foot in his mouth all the time. Do you remember when Jesus was telling him, he says, hey, look, I'm going to die. He's explaining what's going to happen, and Peter kind of pulls him aside. He says, hey, look, Jesus, um, and this is a paraphrase, of course, just so you guys are tracking. He says, hey, look, Jesus, I, like, I don't think, you can't say that, man. We can't, we can't die. We can't. We can't have that. That's not going to happen. We can't, we can't let that happen. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Don't be a stumbling block. This is bigger than you know. This is bigger than you know. This one sticks out in our minds because it's scary as all get out. You don't want to be the one that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, too. Oh, I don't want to be in the way. I don't, I don't want to get in the way of that. But see, there's a reason why this one seems so harsh, why it is so harsh, because you have to understand that this, this is the situation. The gravity of the situation is, is that this is the pinnacle of humanity. This right here, this moment, Jesus dying on the cross and being raised again has to happen. It is the pinnacle of human history. It is the pinnacle of history. It is important. This is important. So he needs to get Peter's attention. He needs to say, look, dude, you need to hear this. That's why he's so harsh there. And then what do they do? They, he forgives them, and they move on. He explains, look, we have to do this, man. It has to happen this way because I've got to fulfill what has been planned out for you. Because if I don't, everything's ruined. It has to happen. He explains it. They forgives and move on. And the last one here is he loved those around him. He cared. He really genuinely cared. He helped take care of their needs. He spent time and energy pouring into them. Time and energy. Man, isn't that something that we hold on to like crazy nowadays? 
I don't have time for that. I don't have time. Oh, I'm so out of time. I never have time to do anything. How can I do this? There's just no time. Time is so important to us. Time is so important to us. Time and energy are so important to us. But if we really think about it, if we're not using that time and energy building into somebody else, haven't we just wasted it? Let that sink in. If we haven't used that time and energy building into somebody, can't we just waste it? It just went out. It's just garbage. We didn't do anything with it. It's a hard reality. He prayed desperately for them. Some of those times when he goes up on the mountain, I'm sure he was like, oh, God, give me patience with Peter. <laughs> Some of you guys know. You got parents. Oh, God, give me patience with that child. I don't want to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I will if I have to, but I don't want to. <laughs> He prayed for them desperately, desperately. And let's call it like it is. He showed the greatest love that any man could ever show to another by dying, laying himself up there on the cross, right? He did it. That's love. We've been given that example. That is love. He really, look, does that mean we all have to, we have to die for somebody that we want to build into him? No, probably not. Probably not. In fairness, there is a history of death uh, in the church, yeah, naturally, uh, we very, from the very beginning, interesting how it started with death, <laughs> right there on the cross, and then, you know, all the disciples and everybody, and we've had missionaries, we have missionaries today who are dying right now because of our faith, but likelihood is, is that here in this context, we're probably not going to be called upon to die for each other at this point, but we are going to be called upon to love each other with a reckless and just immeasurable love, every ounce of love that we have in ourselves, we are called to give in and build in and pour in to each other. We are called to that. Now, I just gave you guys a lot, a lot of things that Jesus did. And if you want to read more, there's four Gospels, okay? And they're really awesome. So, so many teens, get in them. We're going to get in them. But... I did promise that I would try to break it all down into three easy things this week. And I also promised that I would try to make them all S's again, um, which, by the way, I did. <laughs> uh, remember last week we talked about uh, three keys for mentees, three keys for people uh, who are being mentored. We talked about seeking. You have to seek someone who can build into your life, right? You seek time with them. We talked about speaking, right? Speak. You need to tell them what's going on. Tell them what you're trying to learn. Tell them how you're trying to grow. Give them everything so they know best how to build into you. And then the last one was sit and listen, right? Soak it all in because guess what? If somebody's willing to build into your life, they're going to change your life. Today, we're going to talk about three keys for being a mentor or a discipler. The first one may look a little familiar to you. Seek. Huh. Weird how that worked out. As all of us should be actively seeking out those who can build into our lives, we should also be actively seeking out those in whom we can build. 
We should be seeking after opportunities to build into someone else as well. You see, it's a two-way street. It's a relationship, right? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on. I love that word, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, not giving up meeting together. This is important time. This is precious time, as so many have the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Always be seeking that opportunity to be building into someone. We want to spur one another on toward love and good works. That's, that, that's what Jesus did. He taught them how. He showed them how, and then he encouraged them to go and do it. We want to be so intentional about spending time together. See, we have that precious time, that precious, my precious, you know, the Lord of the Rings fans, you guys get what I'm going. <laughs> my precious, he doesn't want to share. Okay, we don't want to share our time and energy. We don't. It's like I'm barely making it through my life. I'm barely making it through my life. How can I give give this time and energy to somebody else? I don't I don't know. I don't know. It's so precious to us. But if we open it up, guess what? We start building it into others. Others start building into us. And then all of a sudden, we've got this wide net that can carry a much wider load. It's insane. It's so cool how this can work. We have to be so intentional about spending time together. If you don't give your time, energy, and love to someone, how will they ever hear or learn what you have to share with them? If you don't, have, if you don't spend time, energy, and, lo- and love on them, what do you care? Why do I have to care what you have to say? It doesn't matter. The next one is sit slash listen. <laughs> this sitting and listening, though, is a little bit different. This one is the mentor sitting and listening. This is an active listening. You see, oftentimes people aren't just going to open up and spill their guts and tell you everything they've got going on. They're not going to just release all their crazy on you, right? Release the crazy. No, they're not going to just let it go and open the floodgates, okay? Generally speaking, you have to be an active listener. You have to listen intently and see what might be going on, have that discernment, and then ask the questions that will help them continue to open up, right? Ask the questions that will help them open and so you can get to know them better. You can't, if you don't know them better, you can't help them build into their, you can't help build into their faith. James 1.19 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I love this proverb here. It says this, Proverbs 18.13. <laughs> It's like so maniacal. I love this one. Okay, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Answer before listening, foolishness. How can you give a helpful faith-building answer when you don't even know what's going on? You can't. We could speak in generalities. Oh, yes, you know, you need to get more. You need to get in the scripture more. Oh, you need to pray more. Oh, you need to love your neighbor better. Of course, 
Those are generalities. But if you don't actually listen and hear what's going on with them, you can't get into the meat of things. You can't help them grow on a deeper level. You'll just never get there. In order to know, you have to hear, right? We have to hear each other. I love this last one. And the last one is show. Ha, some of you guys thought it was going to be speak, huh? <laughs> no, the last one is show. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3, I love the way it says it in the message. Peter says this, I have a special concern for you church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader in on Christ's sufferings as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern. Here's what I want you to hear, that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd, not because you have to, but because you want to, because you want to please God, not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously, not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. Don't lord it over them. Don't lord it over them. Tenderly show them the way. Tenderly. See, Jesus spoke a lot, and rightfully so. He had a lot to tell us. He had a lot to fulfill and tell us in the, prof, in the, in the scriptures. It needed to be all written down so that we could have it today. He had a lot to say. But he didn't just speak, he showed. I love this image of this Last Supper sitting at the head of the table, he gets up, he takes off his cloak, he takes off his shirt, and he, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he goes and he sits down by the water basin, and he washes the disciples' feet. And Peter comes to him, and he says, Jesus, I, you can't wash my feet. I can't have you wash, you're, you're the Lord, you're the Lord. I can't have you wash my feet. And Jesus kind of, I'm sure he just kind of smiles and smirks at him again. Let Peter, if I don't do this, if I don't wash you, you can't be clean. Peter's ready to jump in. He's ready to jump in. Oh, clean my feet, clean my hands, clean my head, clean my head, everything. Just wash me. Right? He changes his too just like that. But see, I love afterwards. This is what it says in John 13, 12 through 15. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his outer clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. Of course they didn't. You call me teacher and Lord. Rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Look at the humility shown by the king of the universe. Let me say that again so it sinks in. Look at the humility of the king of the universe. The king of the universe washed the feet of men. He knew them. He knew them. He knew what they were going to come to. He knew the great many things that were coming in the future for them. And he wanted them to be prepared so that they could thrive in that good news. He wanted them to be prepared. And what does he show them? He shows them how to be humble and serve one another. How much more important then is it for us, not the kings and queens of the universe, to be humble 
and build into one another with love and kindness and service. The king of the universe washed the feet of men. Never stop. We can't stop. We can't stop trying to see the next generation of believers grow. Never stop trying to build into them that, that they might take it further than we even dared to dream. They, we, they have to. They have to, just like we have to. Psalm 71, 18 says this, and I love this. So even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Even to old age and gray hair, do not forsake me. I will continue to tell them of your might and proclaim your power to everyone. We want it to go and go and go and go after us. This week, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge every single one of us. Seek out a man or a woman. Seek out somebody younger in their faith than you. And seek out intentional relationship with them. Seek out intentional relationship where you can share and build into them. That's what I want to see everybody, uh, every one of us doing. Because there is a next generation. There is a generation after us. Don't lord it over them. Don't. Don't lord it over them. Remember humility. The king of the universe washed men's feet. Don't lord it over them. But treat them. Humble yourselves and treat them like brothers and sisters. Because indeed, that's what we are. Brothers and sisters, every single one of us in this family. In this family of Christ. We should all want to see each other built up. We should all want to see each other moving forward and growing to the future. Let's pray. Father God, we lift this up to you. We lift our hearts up to you, God. We lift up everything that we have, everything that we are, God. We surrender. We surrender it because it's all about you, God. The king of the universe, wash the feet of man. Let us get out of our own way. Let us get this pride out of the way so that we can help build into each other. We can allow others to build into us, God. That's what we want to see. We want to see this next generation stronger and further than we could ever imagine. Let it be all about you. Let us not waste our time and energy on the stuff chasing after the things of this world, God. Let's keep our eyes focused, focused on you. Eyes set on the things that are above, the things that are of you. We want to see your will and your glory be done here on this earth to all the nations. We want to love you. We want to love each other. We want to love others. We want to make disciples. We want to see people come to know you and come to know you in very real relationship. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we wanted to honor our mothers this morning, both natural and spiritual. You know, throughout the Old and New Testament, there are great examples of women of God who led their families and their communities with power and with strength. And I know within our families, our moms pray for us and care for us when quite frankly, we are being unlovable 
and being quite uncaring, amen? Who pray for us, who stand in the gap for us, praying that we would turn our lives around or make our lives better in, in God's eyes. I can only imagine the prayers that my grandmother prayed for my father, for my mom that prayed for her children, and now for my wife that pray for our children. And how our moms pass that down from generation to generation. They are some of the greatest mentors in the world. Amen. So uh, we want to just give a small gift to our moms, both natural and our spiritual moms. And let me tell you, about, tell you spiritual moms, keep praying for us. Amen. Keep praying for us. And so our J12 is at the back. And so as you leave today, they have a small gift for you. It's a gift card to Starbucks. So enjoy a small gift on, on us for loving us and for caring for us and for praying for us. Amen? Amen. Will you guys have a great day? Will you love on each other this weekend and pray for each other? Uh, of course, the men's group meets Tuesday night this week, so don't forget about that, guys. And uh, I just want to pray for us as we leave today. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us natural and spiritual moms to be our mentors, to love on us, to pray for us, to stand in the gap for us, to speak words of wisdom to us, to teach us the things that, that we should know from God's word for always giving of themselves beyond themselves because of the love that you've put inside of them. We lift them up in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.